We can't help it. It's not us. It's what the Lord has done in us. Good morning. Welcome to you all. Welcome to every one of you and try to greet some of you at different times, different places, but we want to welcome the Stewarts and the Ugbu family and we welcome Brother Nathaniel Smith, Brother Jerry and his family, Brother Jerry Fox and Sister Candace. God bless you. Welcome. They're not all here this morning, but they're here in the spirit. I know they are. I can feel it. <laughs> Welcome, Brother Andrew Malcolm, Brother Dale Walshliger, the Torres family, all the others. God bless you. We went wanted to mention a few of you. You're a part of us. Amen. We want to say that. Amen. I just wanted to pass on a little uh, thank you from Brother Uva Laval. He just came back, him and Sister Miriam, from the funeral in, in Germany. He wanted to say thank you to you all for your prayers and support in this time of sorrow. May God richly bless you all. Amen. So we're thankful for them to be back. And amen. We have a hope that's beyond this life. And we're looking forward to that. Just wanted to say this morning, it's also kind of a, been a period of decline for many years. A certain brother in our church has been slowly turning gray. He's been grandfather. He's been uh, kind of do it. But finally, it's happening. He's turning 60. Brother Blaine Wahlberg will be 60 tomorrow. Amen. It's official. <laughs> God bless you, Brother Blaine, where you are. And he's kind of a forerunner for others to come, you know, but nonetheless, we, we want to say happy birthday. And it's got to be happy because for the others to follow, right? So, amen. God bless you this morning, and God bless you all that are here. Appreciate the special, Sister Joanne. Good to see you. God bless you. It's just sure, sure good to have music and musicians and singing, and what would we do without that? Amen. It's wonderful. Amen. I just wanted to say also that uh, the um, government's slowly going to be reopening. They haven't said anything about changes to our gatherings or such yet, but I believe our prayers can make a difference. And I believe that if we... I, I mentioned the book of Daniel last time and how Daniel was there by the government, but it, it came a time when there was maybe a bit of a persecution. But Daniel also, when he was required to eat the king's meat... He went about it in a good way, and he said, listen, let us have our food, our vegetables, and you watch. And I think if we approach it, I, I'm, I'm looking for God to allow us to be able to come and gather in a better way. Not that I don't appreciate it. I appreciate the streaming. I appreciate the time that God has given us to get into the Word and to, to do all of those things, but I'll tell you, if God is in your heart, you can't wait once those church doors open to get it in fellowship with your brother and sister. And the Bible says, you know, assemble yourselves the more as you see the day approaching. You know, there's, there's a little sidebar to that that says, and exhort one another. So our exhortation sometimes is just by seeing one another. Oh, there's brother so-and-so. They're still fighting, and that gives you courage. So I, I just want to encourage you to be praying, to be looking. You know, when I... I'll tell you, if, if God is in your heart, I, I feel like 
I, I know everything we can't do. But I say, Lord, I know brothers right now in China that are in prison, brothers in Turkey that are in prison. These brothers have hazarded their lives. There's a spirit that's on that to bring them to that place. You know, when I drive by and I, I hear the rules are opening up in two weeks where they're going to allow restaurants to be 50% full, and then I drive by and I see Canadian tired parking lot full, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, and then I drive by churches that are empty, there's something that inside of me says, Lord, this is not the way it should be. And I pray, and let's just pray to that. Until that time, hey, we'll, we'll work with everything they give us, but... I, I'm looking for God to bring us to a higher level, to bring us to a place where we can gather and worship together. So let's be in prayer for that. Um, we're going to turn to the Word. Um, maybe let's just, just sing a little chorus as, as we just change the order a little bit. Um, um, I had one and I lost it, so it, it's... Uh, it happens to people that are under 60, sometimes too, but uh, <laughs> at any rate, cannot say that very much longer. <laughs> change my heart, oh God, change my heart, oh God. if you're born again of the Spirit of God, that's your desire today. As we bow our heads one more time, Heavenly Father, we're so grateful this morning for this gathering, for this opportunity you give us, even by way of technology. Lord, we're thankful to be under the banner of the word that's been opened in this day. We're thankful that the pillar of fire that has identified himself is still on the earth today. Lord, we're thankful that you dwell in the midst of your people. And Lord, we're asking you today one more time that you would come. 
Use these vessels, Lord, as you've used us for worship and singing. But now, Lord, use us for hearing and for receiving and speaking. And Lord, just take the preeminence, Father. We're looking to see you in our midst, Lord. Father, I pray that you'd move upon every heart. I pray that you'd move on us, Lord, and we'll give you all the praise. Bless your word as we read it now. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, God bless you. I'll invite you to turn to the Bible. We're going to turn to the book of John, chapter 14. We'll also read in Acts, chapter 7. And then we'll go to the book of Revelations for a couple of verses there. John, chapter 14. This is in verses 1 to 6 that we'll read. And uh, I'll, I'll likely continue on that again. I'm continuing somewhat today on a thought I was in for the last couple Sundays on where does he dwell, and I'm going to take this in a direction, but uh, when we speak of that dwelling, we're not talking of a physical dwelling, we're not talking about a geographical place, but, you know, we are, we are spirit beings. You know, God said, God is a spirit. They that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. So let's just look at John 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So wherever the believers are, he says, he's the I am. Where two or three are gathered, the I am is there. But more than that, he's looking for that eternal fellowship, that dwelling place where he can be. And he says, and whither, you, whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Um, let's just jump over to Revelations 3. Sister Ruth, I'm going to just skip the book of Acts. We'll come back to it. Revelations chapter 3. So Jesus is giving this as he's leaving, as he's leaving John chapter 14. These are the last. Uh, now Judas has left in John 13. Now Jesus is speaking these intimate words to those that are there, John 14, 15, 16, 17, are some of the most beautiful dialogue to the believer between Christ and his disciples. So now in contrast, at the ending of the Gentile dispensation, Revelation 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. Now, the same spirit is desiring fellowship, desiring a place where he can be together with him. But the door is closed. He's not in. He's trying to get in to the church. This is where it is at the very end. And this is the call to that last age. He says in verse 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set and I'm set down with my Father in his throne. God bless you. you may have your seats this morning. And uh, this is 
I'm going to read one more scripture. This is in the book of Acts, chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. This is Stephen, now the, uh, one of the early deacons, but he's, he's, he takes a, a service that's an amazing service. And, you know, it, it, you talk about building up a nice runway and, and getting into the Word. He rehearses the history, and then he brings it right down to them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there was an anointing that was starting to come with him. But he says this in verse 44, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness, in the wilderness as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen, which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus unto the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers, uh, drave out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David. So he comes back to the thought of 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 a tabernacle, he says, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. Now, David could never build it because of his history, but the desire was of God. The desire was correct. And it says in verse 47, but Solomon built him a house. So this is in the Old Testament as a type. Then Stephen goes on to say, Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, what house will you build me? And he says, saith the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? We'll stop there. Stephen gets into saying that they're stiff-necked and they resist the Holy Ghost. This actually ties into all of that. So I want to take it this morning, and I, I would just say, as, as I've no doubt, as maybe we all do, as we see the events that have been unfolding around us in the last few weeks and months and where we're at, one thing that's been made very real to me is what we actually have been feeding on for you that are believers, that you are walking with God, the, the God that we've served, the message that we believe in, uh, that we actually are in a different place than the rest of the world. And, and, and the rest of the world, and it's never been so clear or been manifest so much to me, maybe as in this last time. Because when all of this was coming and all of it was going, there was, thank God, he's in control and he's watching over us. He's going to take care of us. But at the same time that we could have that, not that we don't have our little worries and frets and things, but I'll tell you, underneath there's something that is resting, trusting, believing, that which we've known. And, 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 and it's just a, it's just a, a it's such a, on in, it's enveloping us. But the rest of the world, you know, while they physically are in the same place as us, they physically are under the same restrictions as us, they physically, they don't have that. They're actually in a different place. There, there's a fear that's bound them up. What's going to come? What's next? Where's the economy going? What's going to happen to my stocks? What's going to happen to our family? You know, and, and, I, and I watch the fear that's, that's riddled the world. 
It almost doesn't make sense to me, to me that, that this, this, this virus, which the scientists haven't even put it, it's serious, don't get me wrong, but to, to, to see the reciprocal effects, they say that fear and anxiety has gone up fourfold in the last two months. People are more fearful than they've ever been. And I'll say this, to this end, the devil's achieving a purpose. But I'll say, it is also identifying who we are. Where, and I ask this question, where is God in the midst of all of this? Where is his place of rest? What is he, where this Holy Spirit that's circling the earth, what is he looking for? Where is the welcoming for him? And I'll say, it's to those believers whose heart is open. Whose heart is open and have made a place for the word. Welcome and receive the word. I'll tell you what, there's a rest in it. If you're troubled, and I'll, I'll just say, do I get anxious? Yeah, I get anxious too. But I'll say this, I just get back into the word. I just start feeding a little bit more. I just start listening a little more to that voice. I, I get engaged in prayer. And I'll tell you what, there's a place that we have with God. There's an opportunity. And I, I believe in this age, you know, you know, we through the prophet, as I said, we're in a spirit world, and through the prophet, there's been a whole dimension that's been opened to us as believers. Brother Branham would, would make us very aware of that when he was at the platform and he was in prayer, and, and then he, he'd say, oh, there's a spirit calling to another spirit. That one over there, is, it's a demon. Yes, they're calling for help. And he could see that. He could, he could go so far as to see a woman with a hood over her face. She's shadowed to death. And a camera took that and showed it. So these are very real around us right now. And I'll say there's great forces at work right now. But also I will say on the reciprocal side of it, there's also... When he was there and people would come up, now, there's a presence that you feel right now. Don't worry, that won't hurt you. And he's saying, and then he would actually say, now be quiet, be reverent, because he says, the Holy Spirit's gentle. And, and he says, don't disturb it. So he gave us a very good insight, not just to doctrine, not just to events that are going to unfold, but to the nature of Christ, to the nature that's there. The, the unfolding and the revelation of the seven seals is not just about knowledge. It's about the nature of God. It's about that which was hidden and not available to us. But now we're invited to be partakers of his divine nature. So I, as, as I'm thinking on these thoughts, and last week we had dwelt a little bit on, on the harmony that exists between the Father and the Son, and, and he says that's now to exist between the groom and the bride. And we shared a little bit of that quotation. Uh, I, I want to just take that a step further from there because Brother Branham would say this. The word is in the bride as it was in Mary. The bride has the mind of Christ for she knows what he wants done with the word. Faith is a revelation of the will of God. Faith is not something that we work up to, but it's what we can settle into. Yes, we need to make ourselves available. But I say this, he, he would go on to say, the bride knows what she want, he wants done with the word. She performs the command in his name, of the word in his name, for she has thus saith the Lord. Now, 
I'm not a prophet. I've been given that vindication. But I'm making myself one with thus saith the Lord. I'm feeding on it, and it's my absolute. It's my everything. And as I become one with it, my voice harmonizes with it. My prayer life harmonizes with it. When I started praying a couple of prayers, I said, Lord, this prayer is now going before your throne. Lord, I deposit it there, not boldly, but I, by grace, through the blood, through the token. And I say, Lord, hear my prayer. I'm a part of you on earth. You're a part of me. And Lord, we're working together. We're partners in this thing. And I'm asking you for my brothers. I'm asking you for my family. I'm asking you. What is it, friends? It's God and man becoming one. That's the age. That's the season we're in. Now he says, the word is quickened by the Spirit like a seed that is planted and watered. It comes to full harvest, serving its purpose. Those in the bride do only his will. The greatest thing you can give God is your own will. Be a sheep. Lay down for him. Eternal life is living for others. This age is so selfish. This Laodicean age is so selfish. And we ourselves get that way. I'll, pr I'll protect myself. You know, it won't harm me. You know, but somebody, it's like a school, it's like the herd mentality. You know, somebody else will get it. I'm part of the herd, but I'm on the inside. I, it won't get affected. I'll tell you what, if you're a real believer, you care about every member of the body. You care about more than yourself. You care about what God cares for. You're a part of that. We're a part of that program. It's not just, well, I'll just bottle up and I'll just be. No, no, it's, it's, I'll tell you what, if your heart is with God, you're reaching out. You're, you're praying for others. You're thinking on others. So he says, we, we, we do his will. And he would go on to say, he will complete a part of his earthly ministry and he works through his bride. Now, we took that in harmony and, and the, the, symp the sympathy, as we suggested last week, the invisible force that exists between the bride and the groom. You know, I, we, we closed with Esther last week and I took that thought from Josephus that Esther went in, though it was against driven by love, she went in, and, and Josephus' account of her collapsing almost, and, 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 and in his account, I didn't share it, but the king actually got off the throne to extend, he didn't just extend the scepter, he went down to her, he put his hand on her, and, and everybody's looking like, what's going on here? There's something invisible, there's a relationship, this isn't just the laws of the land, this is something greater than that. And I'll say this, God has come down to us. The same God that came down in Luke chapter 24 to his disciples after the resurrection, desiring to make himself known to us, is the same God that's come to us, that's given us the message. He's extended himself to us. The meeting is in the air. The meeting is, is not just us getting up there, but he's coming down. We're going up. That's the rapture. That's the resurrection. That's the season we're living in. Now, Satan has always desired the place that God wants, the God that God has chosen for himself and for his people. Now, God is an object of worship. Satan's always desired that place. Let me just share a couple of scriptures. Psalms 48, verse 2. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth, 
is Mount Zion. And Zion is always representative of the bride. On the sides of the north, the city of the great king. I've always reflected on that song. We sing that song, actually, that's, that's out of this verse. On the sides of the north, the north is actually where the eagle anointing was. The, the north is where the tribes of Dan and such were. That was always a place. It was a, it was a place that way. Let, let's just take this over to where I said Satan is, but in Isaiah, and we can go to Isaiah 14, verse 13. It says, of, of Satan, he said, or Lucifer, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. So where God is, is where the congregation is. Where the carcass is, the eagles will be gathered together. Where, where God wants, there's God being an object of worship, there's always a union. Satan desires that place. And that, that spirit is in the earth today. He's desiring that place. God wants to dwell in you. But Satan wants to get in you before God can. He's fighting with us continually. You know, Brother Adam would speak, the, the greatest battle ever fought is a battle of the mind. You know, I, I, I think Brother Aaron McGarry said this to me. Not a battle of the mind, for the mind. Because for the mind, he wants to inhabit it, but so does God. He wants to renew our minds. He wants to renew our, 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 our spirit realm, refresh it. You know, take away all the memory. Take away all the imagination that goes to dark places. And take away all of the, the conscience of your past and the scars. And, and he, wants to, he wants to dwell those things. He wants to refresh you. That, in that level is where God is desiring fellowship. When Brother Branham came and he would, he would come to somebody, the discernment that was there was a discerning, uh, uh, he was trying to get in contact with that person's spirit realm. He wasn't just trying to flesh, that was part of the first pull. But the second pull was really into the spirit realm. But the third place is reserved for God. So, so the, a, a prophet could contact, discern the issue, and, and sometimes, I, I just love it, I was reading a quote this last week where Brother Bannon would say, you can have faith, but sometimes God sends a vision to you to increase your faith. So as he's talking, you live at 338 something street, and, and the person go, how did he know that? And, and how did he increase that? See, it was God trying to bring the faith up. Now, the vision didn't save the person, but their faith saves the person. God is trying to lift our faith. And you know, when we see the things coming to pass, it lifts our faith. It says we're getting closer all the time. So I love what we've received. It's not just a prophet. It's greater than a prophet. I'm just listening this morning, and Brother Man is speaking, and he's speaking in Feast of the Trumpets, and he's speaking, and he says... And Moses will be there at the end. And then he says, he stops. He says, oh, you don't believe me that I said it was Moses. He says, but I caught that. <laughs> and he said, and then he stops and says, it is really Moses. And he says, and here's what your thought was. <laughs> you thought it wasn't because such and such and such. The man, he says, that person wasn't maybe even then in the building. Who's knowing all of that? 
Christ is here. The angels of God are here. There's another dimension right around us just going a little faster. If you stay connected, that's how we're going to go home. We're not going to just shoot off in the physical, but we're going to step into another dimension. And you've got to be in the spirit of that other dimension to step into it. Oh, I love it. God has come down. Now, so he says, I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. That's Satan's desire. He's desiring the place that God has reserved for us. I, this, this is not a thought I'm going to finish today, but I, I'm really going to show where the plague is. The plague is not a physical plague. It's a spiritual plague. Let's go 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. This is again showing the desire of Lucifer, the devil, the gitko, the teufel, whatever you want to call him. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself as God, that he is God. Now, in all of these references, I, I just want you to notice that part of God is the element of worship and the people that are there. And Satan doesn't care. He, he, he'll say, Brother Brandon would say, and how can I overcome? Satan doesn't care how religious you are. He doesn't care you know, about all these things, but if you miss the life. So, so Satan doesn't mind that you go to church, that even you're sincere in heart, and that you worship God, because if he can get you to deviate from worshiping the true God, he is receiving worship. I, I need to just stop here for a moment. I, I think sometimes we deceive ourselves. Well, I'm pretty close to the truth. No, God is desiring us to worship in spirit and in truth. God is so holy, he is so pure, he's so righteous, anything contrary to his being is outside of his fabric. And the devil will use any little thing. He'll, oh my, he'll, he'll creep right in. He'll, he'll get you in your spirit realm. Oh, I love God, you worship. Listen, I, I, I've seen some of the, the these, these groups, you know, they, they, it's like rock concerts, their religious worship. Group. I don't even want to mention their name, but out of Australia, big church movement, they get thousands of young people come together, and they're, they're worshiping, they're crying with tears, and, and I'm watching, twing, 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 you know, and, 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 and just singing worldly, and, and there's nothing of God, of a holy God in it, and they're deceived. Friends, it's a deception. That holy God we serve is not in that. That holy God is so much more than that. Don't be deceived. Don't allow your spirit realm to be caught up with those things. He's a jealous God. He's not a mixer. He doesn't like things mixed. He wants your heart. He doesn't want you to hold iniquity in your heart. He doesn't want it. He doesn't give the glory to no man. Friends, I'm very conscious. As uh, you know, God can use a man; He can use any individual. But there's a point where we got to be very conscious that we step aside and say, "Lord, you take it now." 
Because the ultimate at the end of our preaching, at the end of our singing, our song special, it's all about him. He's the end of our faith. He's the end of our worship. He deserves the glory. No man deserves the glory. He alone deserves all the glory. And the devil, what a liar he is. He'll use churches, he'll use doctrines, he'll take sincere men and women, and he'll bind them up in his own doctrine. And he will take the glory. And he'll take the worship. Brother, that's serious. It is serious. I'll tell you what, if you're born by the Spirit of God, it's not about doctrines and rules and, well, you see it that way and I see it that way. No, I'll tell you what, it's, it's about a relationship. We had a young people's service on Friday. We had Brother Mark Kesser give a testimony. Brother Mark's grown up in the message that a grandma who was a believer, a woman of faith, godly woman, had a father who was a deacon in this church for many years. And Brother Mark is testifying to our youth about the struggles he had because until you're born again, it didn't matter about his grandma, didn't matter about his father or mother, but it had to come to him. And he, he talked about how he continually felt he was trying to live up to rules, continually trying to live up to a performance standard. And he says, and, I, and he made a statement that I thought was very good, rules without relationship results in rebellion. Because he said that's what happened to him. He never had the relationship with Christ. He knew the rules. He understood what he had to do. And I'll say, friends, we are called under a different auspices than the churches. We're not about just making it to heaven by our rules and by our adherence to the rules. That's a part of it. But you'll never even fulfill the rules unless you have a walk with God, unless you have a relationship with Christ. And I'll say that's what we're striving for. I'm coming to this, and I need to lead up to it a little further. Now, Brother Branham would... would make this statement, and, and he, I'm just going to preface this by saying this. It was in, he preached his whole life, he came up to the time of the seals, and, and things God had dealt with him before, and then things God dealt with him after, but at the opening of the seals, the full word was loosed. And he would say, the word was bound by creeds and dogmas for 2,000 years. But it was promised at the end time that it would be, would be loosed, the Holy Spirit would be loosed from those creeds and dogmas by the real word again. So Brother Bannon would say, from the seals, and, and, and from the seals, it wasn't like, you know, we, we all want a one and done solution. We all say, okay, let me put something on my finger in where I can finally rest. I'll tell you what, part of what Jesus spoke to his disciples is, I am the way. It's a walk. It's a continual walk. It's a continual unfolding. And it can be fun or it can be torture. And I'll say this, when you're in Christ, oh, thank God. You know, he forms, he shapes. So how can that be fun? It can be joyous. 
I'll tell you what, when you have the joy of serving God, I'll tell you what, then there's no problem going to prayer. Then there's no problem turning your eyes and not looking at, at, at the flesh that's around us. Then there's no, uh, no problem. But when you have that joy, now does it all that easy? No, it's not that easy. It's a struggle because we're in this flesh. But greater is he that is in us. And Brother Branham would preach in the seals but there was an unfolding even after the seals in his life. You know, and, and I would say it was no longer, I'd say the revealing of the Son of Man was not just Brother Branham and a gift, but it was, it was God taking a vessel in his hands that was yielded. And there was an unfolding. And in 1964, and it was in July 1964, Brother Branham had a vision that was different than other visions that he had before. And in this vision, it's what we call the preview of the bride. And he saw in this vision, and sometimes a picture, a scene, can make something very real and very clear. But I would like to say, you know, there was something that happened to Brother Branham and that it set him on a different course of thinking you know, it was after that he preached uh, Broken Cisterns. And in Broken Cisterns, he said, somebody, he said, I thought the Holy Ghost was love. When you have love, that's it. And he says, and then one day, the Lord straightened me out on that. It's not just love. It's receiving every word of God. Now, that's not intellectually, but into your heart, from your heart saying amen to it. Because that who's who God is. But he, he would take this and and. I love to study where you follow the continuity of the prophet through. So now he's walking in a greater revelation. And as he's walking in that revelation, he's, he's seeing now, and in the vision he sees, I fell into a trance, the bride will come into, I saw clean, dressed women. They had long hair, longer sleeves and skirts. Young women, I'd say about 20. And he says, oh, the Bible is open before me when I say this. And I, I said, and, and, and if you say, what are you looking at? He said, I'm looking at, he's talking about the clock. He says, but when I saw this bride, she was the cleanest, sweetest looking people. I don't know how many there was, she was beautiful. And he, says, and he says, that's the bride. And then he says, and then, and, then, and then a voice said, now we'll review the churches. And I noticed them coming up. And he's seeing the churches coming up, and he says, it looked like each one got worse. I've never seen such a filthy bunch in my life. You know what I appreciate about the prophet is the integrity. There are things that you are taught to do, but there are things that God makes real to you. God made real to me about how I should wear my hair. Because what I was wearing it was a style, even though it was legally correct, it was inspired by something in the world at the time I was living in. When Brother Branham would talk, he would talk about Elvis Presley. He says, nobody can sing how great thou art better. He says, but I won't listen to him because that man is a Judas. Now you talk about the integrity in other words, he could not identify with something. It wasn't just doctrine, but it was something because of where he dwelt and what dwelt inside of him. Now, he's a prophet. We're not all prophets. We're not all ministers, but we are Christians. We're a part of the bride. And he says, now I saw this church coming up. And he says, oh my. He said, I've never seen such a filth. Then he heard a noise. 
And then there came the American group. Now he says, I'm American, but this made me sick. He says, you're going to have to read between the lines. When the woman was coming, the leader of them was a witch. She had a great big long nose and a great big mouth. And they were all dressed with some kind of lower clothes. The top had just a strap, a half-inch strap. And he says, and he says oh my, he said, I, I, I looked at that. And, and he says, and I, I'm not going to read everything he says here. But they had hair cut real short and frizzy-looking things all over it like that. Real short-cut hair, full of makeup. Nothing, absolutely nothing but street prostitutes. There's a lot of people that go to church. They mean well in their heart, but what they're displaying is betraying something else. And they were walking in the vulgarity, and then he said, is that the church? And there she went, twisting to rock and roll songs, singing, is that the church? I started standing there in my heart. I was crying. You know, when we walk so close with God that we become grieved with things or that we become, we look for good things. You know, we were just talking the other night and we just got onto a subject that, you know, was something and I, I just felt the atmosphere was changing and, and, and it was maybe something I brought up and I said, Lord, forgive me for that. I said, and, and I had to pray and, and said, Lord, help me. Because our words, our thoughts carry spirits attached to them. I'll say this, we, we, you can talk about the outside, but it has to come from the inside. And he says, this church, there she was, beating to this music, shaking their sounds, making funny sounds. And then, as he's bowing his head, weeping and crying, he says, wait, the bride must come again. And he says, so there was the bride once, and there was the bride the second time. In between was the church. And he says, and there she was. I noticed they were dressed different. They had long hair hanging down, and it rolled around like this. They might have been German or something. That ought to give some of you her courage and hope this morning. And he said, and I watched them. And they started leaving. Two or three of them in the back kind of got out of step, and I had to holler at them. They were trying to get in step again. I saw the vision get back in line. He said, here's the interpretation. He said, did you notice that the church only came in view once? The bride came in view twice. The first seed and the second seed, both exactly the same one, he says. And they were dressed in different parts. They'll come from every nation. Each had long hair, no makeup, real pretty girls. And they were watching me. That represented the bride coming out of all the nations. And I have to watch her that she, she doesn't get out step with a word when she's passing by. They were trying their best. Now, I, I bring this because it, when he saw that there was a difference between the church and the bride, it set Brother Branham on, on a different path in the messages to follow. So if you take the messages starting from July, he actually speaks this in the Masterpiece message where he brings the vision first. That was in the beginning of July. But you follow that through in July into August. Now the revelation is increasing and he begins to minister on a different level. Now how many remember when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the Church Age book, the messenger for the age speaks to both vines, false and true. Now, each group hears the messenger. 
One group is hearing it, let me call it, through rules and regulations, not with a change of heart. But there's another group that's trying to get in line, trying to hear it, and saying, yes, Lord, I want to receive it. And I think it's really important that we examine our hearts. How are we hearing the message? I, I just, just stay with me a little bit, okay? Brother Branham would, would go on to say, now, and this is in the messages just following that, Feast of the Trumpets. How will the people know the Messiah? How will the people that's believing him know it unless they're constantly in the word? Now, I say that in con- contrast. I, I met a man here the other day, and, and we were talking about business, and he said, you got all your people working? Yeah. And he said, we're doing all the safety things. And he says, I come home at the end of the day, I'm just wore out. All I've heard all day is, Watch the virus, watch this, do this, and this is. And I go, wow, I wouldn't want to be just on that level. I want to be in the Word where I know. Listen, if you're in the Word, it will lead you to fulfill what you need to fulfill out here. But he says, how will the people know unless they're constantly in the Word? He says, the wise shall know, but the foolish, the unwise won't know. But he says, the wise will know their God. He will appear in the last days. Now, He's talking about the Messiah. Listen to how he puts it. He says, to bring the people back to the word so that the bride will know her husband, know her mate, the revealed word. That's why this has to happen. We must be identified with our husband. Now, let's just turn over to the book of Daniel for a moment. Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11. Uh, I'm sorry, Sister Ruth, just go back to Daniel chapter 7, if you don't mind. I'm going to just back up a little bit here. No, Daniel chapter 2, I'm sorry. Then we'll go Daniel chapter 7. So Daniel chapter 2. Daniel has, has and, and my, the thought, the underlying thought as I'm talking about the dividing of times and of peoples uh, is, is really where I'm going with this. So Daniel, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 31, this is when the king has a dream. Daniel tells him the dream. So for the sake of background, let's just read this. Thou, O king, sawest and beheld a great image, the great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet were of iron and part of clay, Thou sawest till that a stone was cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet, were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. And the iron and the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broke to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, and that no place was was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth." So now in the next verses, Daniel will go on and give the interpretation of the dream. And he tells Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. God has given you a kingdom of, of power and strength and glory. And then, you know, you'll always be remembered for this. But he says, after you will rise an inferior kingdom. And then a third king, which was of silver. And then another kingdom, which will be of brass. And then he comes down to the fourth kingdom. Now, we can look at all of that and we can know that that was the Babylonian Empire 
which went down to the Medes and to the Persians, and then it went down after that to Greece, and then it went down to Rome. So that's, that, that, that you can follow through from history. And the fourth world empire really has been in place since the time of Christ. But it went from, if I can call it, a natural people to a spiritual kingdom. Because pay, the Romans that were there, that had their rulers, their Caesars, that, that natural Rome became papal Rome. And papal Rome became a spiritual force. Now, now listen, listen to how, how it would follow through in that. And at the time of these, this kingdom, it would come down to the end, and it would come down to these rulers. Now just listen to this. The fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. For as much as iron breaks in pieces, subdues all things, iron that breaketh all these shall break in pieces and bruise. And where you saw feet and toes, part of potter's clay, part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. There shall be in it of the strength of iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And the toes of the feet were part of iron, part of clay, and the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And, and he says, whereas you saw iron mixed with clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, they shall not cleave to one another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Now, there's no way you and I would know anything about this if it were not that God had sent a prophet. And a prophet comes and he picks up on this because God has given him the eyes. And he says, Krushnev and, and Eisenhower. So Krushnev represents clay. That's the leader of a, of a superpower. And, and he says, and Eisenhower, which is a German delineation, but Eisen is, is, is iron. And he says, these are the two powers that exist at this time at the end. So those powers still exist. Those rulers aren't here anymore, but those powers exist. Those kingdoms exist. And then now in verse 44, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. So when does it happen? In the days of these kings. So it's happening right now. God is beginning to set up a kingdom. It's not happening, you know, this kingdom doesn't have a seat at the Security Council. It's not part of the United Nations. It's a holy nation. Peter referred to it. He says, a holy nation, a holy people. God, God's kingdom is in hearts. It doesn't come with observation. So in order for him to have subjects, he has to have willing hearts. You, 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 t you study history and how any of these kingdoms came into power. When, when, when Russia came into power, Stalin, he, he did it with ruthlessness. He destroyed his enemies and killed millions of his own people. Took away the threat. In, 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 in Germany, it was Hitler who came into power and, and he took it by taking away all the weaponry and then having a campaign of propaganda that brainwashed the people. And these were spirits that were in the earth at that time. And, and, and there are spirits that, that were there. Now, I'm bringing all of this to play and saying that in the days of these kings, God would set up a kingdom. And in verse 45, that would, what well, he says in verse 44, break in pieces, consume all these other kingdoms, 
For as much as thou sawest the stone that was out of the mountain without hands, it break in pieces the iron, the clay, the silver, the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass. The dream is certain. The interpretation thereof is sure. Now, we're seeing a falling apart of kingdoms. But we also need to see the ushering in of another kingdom. We can't just say, oh, that's happening out there. We need to say, what's happening in here? And I, I say, where is God setting up his kingdom? Where is he beginning to capture the hearts of his people? Now jump with me over to Daniel chapter uh, 11. We'll, just, we'll go here. I could read in Daniel chapter 7 as well, but I'm going to jump up to verse 11, chapter 11. And I want to just pick this up in verse 32. And it, it actually, in, in this whole part, it, it talks about how they'll try and wear out the kingdom of the, the saints, the Most High. But it says this, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. Now, the whole, you, you can force people, you can do things, but if you can capture their hearts, if you can capture their minds, if you can so bring them to a place, you can cause people to be in your army who, who have become soldiers and don't even know it. So he'll do it by flatteries. But he says, now the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Now, I, 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 I want to just take it this way. Sometimes we think, you know, it depends where you're at and where your life is at, but an exploit is not taking a car and burning donuts in the parking lot. Okay? That's not an exploit. An exploit is not how many jokes you can tell and that are, that are better than all the rest. That's not an exploit. I'm sorry. An exploit is not how close you can, you can live to the world and how edgy and, and come out of it. That's not an exploit. Okay? It's not about going bungee jumping. That's not a, an exploit is on a completely different level. An exploit is, is, is when you actually begin to do a deed, when you begin to do a feat, when you have an act, when, 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 when you... The, the proper definition is a bold and daring feat to make full use of and derive of the benefit of something. That's an exploit. God has given us his word not to lay dormant, but that we can seize it and work with it. That's an exploit. When Brother Branham stood up in front of 80 ministers in Chicago and began to explain the Godhead, contrary to everything that was there. There was the oneness there, there was the threeness there, and he stood in the middle of all of that. That was an exploit. When the prophet would come, despite all of that background and training, but God made something real to him, and he stood up against the kingdoms of the world and everything that was there by, the, by an angel that came to him, that was an exploit. When he made the declaration and said, I am not the son of Charles and Ella Branham. That was an exploit. And I'm saying, the people that shall know their God shall do exploits. Now, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. So it's not what we think it is sometimes. But right now, for you to be able to turn off Laodicea, if you're a young person, to turn off all of the avenues that are open to you through the internet. For you to focus on the real thing, that's an exploit. For you to be able to serve God like Daniel did when there was no church, when there was nothing, but to still kneel and pray, that's an exploit. 
That's what God is looking for. The people that shall know their God, they will do exploits. Now, I, I, I started to go down this road and I'm just going to kind of come back to it a little bit. Brother Branham would tell us and he, he would say, the Holy Spirit has been bound by denominational rivers for 2,000 years. It's to be loosed in the evening time by the evening time message. The Holy Spirit back in the church again. Christ himself revealed in flesh in the evening time. He's speaking this in Feast of the Trumpets. This is now just after. So Brother Branham comes to this message, the Feast of the Trumpets. And he's coming into it now asking God to reveal it to him, to make it real to him. And he's learned from the seals because prior to the seals, he studied as a man. He had all his notes. He gathered together. But then the Lord came in the room. And he says, my notes were a million miles off the truth. So now he comes to the trumpets the same way. He's saying, Lord, I purpose not my mind to do anything. I'm going to study this all. And he's having trouble getting the meetings organized. He's having trouble. And he finally goes to the Lord in prayer. And he says, Lord, how come? And he says, and then the Lord revealed it to me. So he will say, the trumpets don't mean anything to us. They all sounded under the sixth seal. Now the heavenly Father knows this with my Bible before me. I didn't know this till yesterday, the day before yesterday, in my room when he revealed it and spoke it to me. So now he's walking in the unfolding in the revelation. We need to walk in the unfolding. There's something that ought to be unfolding before you as you look at the world around us. I'll tell you there's quotes that are more real. There are things in the message that are more real. I begin to see clearly. What is it? It's unfolding before us. Brother, I'm going to say, children of the light, stay close to him. Stay right in that word. Keep walking and watch it unfold itself. The word is a seed. So Brother Adam, says this. Now, he comes to the message, and, and he begins to speak. Now, in, 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 as he goes into the message, Feast of the Trumpets, and he speaks, it's, it's, it's profound, actually, to me, in, in, in some respects. Brother Branham will go in there, and he begins to speak, because the trumpets are, he calls it, the natural He says, under the sixth trumpet, there was a natural persecution to the Jews. He says, the trumpets are to the Jews. And he says, under the sixth seal, there was a natural persecution to the Jews. And he says, now, as he goes into this a little bit, he begins to talk about it. And he says, now watch, in cunningness and in flatteries, now, he says, what happens naturally to the Jews happens in a spiritual or an ecclesiastical form to the Gentiles or to the bride. He actually, he makes the distinction. He says, the bride. Now he, he doesn't say, he, listen how he says it. Watch, in cunningness, the enemy has come in flatteries. He's bringing in the Protestant ecumenical council of churches, the spirit of Antichrist upon both of them, bringing them to the slaughter, just like he did the other in an hour to call the bride. Loosed 
in the ecclesiastical church spirit. Now, not loosed upon what? Not on denominations, but on the bride. Now, just think about it. He's making a distinction. He's dividing something here. He's saying there is something that's against the bride, but it's not against the church. Why? In 1956, America rejected the Word of God to the na- them as a nation. The nation carried on. In 1963, the church world rejected the opening of the Word, and from that time, there began to be a decline and a separation of the church and the bride. It was a dividing time. So, I'm, I'm not saying that there's good people there. There's good people there. But God's calling out a bride now. In 1965, Brother Branham, is, he's, he's wondering about his life. He's trying to think about things. He's, and he's saying, Lord, show me a scripture that will identify my purpose and my plan. And he goes to Genesis chapter 24, and he sees Eliezer getting a bride for Isaac. And he says, yes, that's it, that's it. So he's making a distinction. And now as he begins to make this distinction, now he's saying there's something that's coming against the bride that's not coming against the church. Now tell me what that is. Because, you know, we're, we're living here in, in the same time uh, in, in Laodicea. We, we are in the physical. All churches are shut down. But there's something that's coming against the bride that's not coming against everybody. And what is it? It's an ecclesiastical spirit. It's to take away the real word that's been planted in your heart. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to take away, they're trying to take away the real baptism. They're trying to take away all these other things. That's the persecution that you and I have to face. When, when we go out everywhere, that's, that's the form that it's coming on us. Everything you see and hear on the news is to tear down what you have faith in, to tear down what you believe in. But it's, 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 it's a battle of the mind. It's a church spirit. Brother Adam would actually say it would actually come right together into this movement. It would come into this movement and it would say two spirits within the framework of the, of, of the church. This is two spirits. Same bedding ground, different fathers. Different. So, so there's a spirit. And listen, I'm saying it comes on all of us. It can come against ministers. It can come... Just take it easy. Don't preach. Look at all the other church. Look at, no, there's something in us. Friends, we need to walk close with God. I, I'm saying this. If you're coming to church just to know what I got to do right, just to know the minimum, okay, I've paid my tithes. I've done this. I've done this. I'm done. Now I can go have my fun. I'll tell you, that ought to be a warning bell to somebody right now. Because the bride... The bride is wanting to please her Lord. The bride is wanting to walk with God. The bride wants a relationship with God. The bride wants the joy of serving God. What the Spirit is saying to the church is a separating of the church and the bride. There's a lot of people that are on the message, hey, I, I, just want, I don't want to be around here when, 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 when California sinks. If that's all you're hanging on to, you're missing it. I'll say this, it's a higher level than that. The prophet, he, he, he actually, you, you follow these messages through. Feast of the Trumpets. And you follow it through into uh, the next Sunday. He goes into uh, recognizing your day and its message. So our day is not the church day. 
Our part of the vision is not the church part, but it's the bride part. That's the part I trust God speaking to you. Why are you preaching like this? So that we can know what the calling is. Because if you don't know, if you don't recognize that this is a bride calling, you'll never be able to fulfill the word. What is all of this about, like, you should stay and worship and pray extra? And, you know, like, like we had the lady that called us, you know, years ago on our phone and said, I'm offering free movie tickets. And we said, I'm sorry, we, we don't go to movies. Oh, okay, well, no problem. Would you like a new cable channel? I said, well, we don't have cable TV either. We, we don't have any kind of TV either. And, and she goes, wow. Would you like uh, some dinner theater tickets? No, we don't do that. And like she, I could tell her exasperation. What do you guys do? <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's not in my heart to do those things. Does that mean that you're just like, you know, you're in the Word and that's all you are? No. I'll tell you what, there's a joy. You can have a laugh with a brother. You can, you can do things and it can be on a level. You can enjoy life. You can enjoy the outdoors. You can, you can enjoy all kinds of things. But it comes with serving God. This is a separation. Friends, and, and the prophet is making it clear. He's going, there's the church world going this way. There's the bride going this way. And I, I, I can do it both ways just so the people that are here don't feel like I'm pointing that side of the church and that side of the bride. No, it's both sides here. It's all good. So he says, now, lo- loosed not on denominations, but on the bride. The bride will not go through that time. What time is he talking about? The tribulation. From the beginning of Brother Branham's ministry, they ask him the question, will the bride go through the tribulation? Will the church go through the tribulation? And he says, no, the church will not go through. Where did he take his type from? Noah went through 40 days. 40 days is is tribulation, rain. And he says, Noah went through that. But Enoch didn't go through that. So he makes that distinction from way back. But now the Holy Spirit's giving him more clarity. So as we look at the things that are happening around us, friends, don't just look at the physical. It, you can, if, if you're missing the physical, if you're just looking for the physical, well, if there's going to be, the persecution starts in your heart where it begins to deaden your desire for church. I'll tell you what, if there's not a desire in your heart to come to church, you got to say there's something wrong with me. There's a desire for me to get in there and fellowship. And I'm doing everything I can. I know what the government's doing, but I'm not relying on them. At some point, it's going to come against us. The persecution is when God takes away, like it did in the early church, when the devil comes and takes away your first love. When he begins to take away the desire for God, the desire for for a time of prayer. That's the dangerous ground. Where does he dwell? I'll tell you what. There's a group of people whose hearts are beating. Uh, And you might not be in that channel. Like I said, you might be caught in a tributary out here somewhere. Just let the water flow and bring you back into the center of it. He'll say this. The Bible says the church will not go. The church will go through it, but not the bride. Listen to these. These are the most beautiful statements. He doesn't say them anywhere until this time. The church has to go through the persecution for the perfection of it. But he says, the blood of Jesus Christ perfects the bride. A man who chooses a wife doesn't put her through a lot of punishment. (laughs) He said, he's already found grace 
two with her. She has found grace with him. Friends, whatever your image is of God, he's not here putting his finger on you and slapping around you the minute you do something wrong. He's here to help you. He's here. He's on your side. Young people, he wants you to get the Holy Ghost. I say, brother, sister, don't look at an angry God, but look at a loving Father who wants you to come, who wants to save you from the tribulation. He doesn't want you to go through those things. Welcome and receive the word. Listen to how he says this. He engages to her. If there's anything, he'll keep her from every place to turn his hand. His grace is so great on them. Oh, friends, I, I, I got into this quote the other day. Wednesday, Brother Andrew took that, that, shared that one quote, and it just so hit me. And I, I went back to search it out and how grace holds us. And Brother Andrew says, grace holds us in our mistakes until we can see better. Oh, the grace of God to us. Friends, he doesn't want us. You know, why do you, why do you people come to church? Then our neighbors ask, why do you go to church on Sunday twice and Wednesday? He says, like, like, I know churches that don't do that. Yeah, that's fine. But I'll tell you what, there's something in me. I'm not viewing my life here as just a stepping stone to, to, to scrape into heaven. No, my life started here with God, with Christ, at Calvary, and it will carry me into eternity. My walk with him starts now. He is my way. He is the truth. He is my life. He's my everything. I don't, I, that, that, it's a different level than the church. Listen how Brother Brandon puts it, seed not air with the shuck. He says, the seed of the denomination persecutes the genuine grain. Persecutes. I, I didn't see churches persecuting. They persecute you by just saying, you guys believe Jesus only? Uh, you believe in baptism in Jesus Christ? Yeah, yeah, I do. Wow. That, that's not like all the established churches. Yeah, well, that's the truth. It's what the Bible says. He says, you know, he says, you, you, you guys believe in a prophet? Yeah. But prophets stopped in Hebrews chapter 1 when Christ came. No, it doesn't say that. That's what you think it says. When, when they interpret the word for us, the prophet is the divine interpreter. God's the one who makes it real by revelation. Paul says this, he says, they will not be heirs together. They're absolutely two different promises, two different times, two different peoples. One is the bride, one is the church. No comparison at all. One is motivated by love. One wants to fellowship. One wants relationship. The other one says, oh, what do I have to do? I'll do it and then that's enough. No, no. You're missing it. You, you don't live a life like that. You'll be under torment. You don't have to be under that. There's a higher level. I'm encouraging you today. Come a little higher. Come where Christ is. Come with the joy of living for him. Brother Branham would, would talk a little further down. Let me just take this for just a few minutes and we'll close. This is in a message, look away to Jesus. He starts this by saying this. If the spirit of Beethoven lived in me, I would be Beethoven, see? I would write songs. If the spirit of Shakespeare lived in me, I'd be Shakespeare. I'd write poems. And if Christ lives in me, the works of Christ I'll do. If you abide in me, my word in you, ask what you will. Then he says this. Now, 
this is in 1963, prior to all this, he says, I need to say something to you all, something that we've looked forward to for years. The third poll has been vindicated. I'm sure you all know what it is. There will never be an impersonation of that. Now, it's inexistent, he says, and I'm warned of this. It, it will not, it's identified its presence with us, but it will not be used in a great way until the council begins to tighten up. And when it does, you know, the Pentecostals and so forth can impersonate anything. But when that time comes, when the squeeze come down, you'll see what you saw temporarily manifest in fullness of power. Now he refers to this, the squeeze. And we for years in the message took that terminology, the squeeze, to look for, well, you know, they're going to make churches, storehouses. Brother Branham says that. They're, they're going to do. We've taken that for years when something physical happens. But I'll just say this. I've been squeezed for years by the devil, by advertisements, by, by things that are around, by spirits that come against me. That's the squeeze. I'll say this. If you're waiting for a physical and you're not seeing this one, you're missing it. If you're waiting for something to shut us down, you're missing it. You've got to have Christ in you before the physical ever happens. Now he says this. I must lay back a bit. But he said there is coming a time when this nation is going to exercise all the power of the beast that it did before it. And he begins to talk, and he's talking. When that time comes, and the press comes to a place that you're pressed out, just watch what I'm fixing to tell you in a few minutes. Watch the third pull then. Now he's talking about the third pull in the manifestation of the speaking of the word. There's an aspect of the third pull that is the word being revealed to us. And the word being identified in our hearts. The speaking part only comes after all of that. And it only comes at a certain time and certain season. So don't wait for that season. He's talking about a pressure. And you talk about a pressure that's, that, that's coming against a people. You know, there's a statement a brother shared with me, and he just talked a little bit about it. And he said that uh, uh, no matter how great the pressure is, it depends where the pressure lies. If we make sure nothing comes between us and our Lord, the greater the pressure, the more it presses us to Him. <laughs> Hudson Taylor wrote that. And he says, you know what? So if, if the pressure is, I, I better buckle up, I better do this. But if the pressure is, ah, I'm resting in Christ. The seventh seal is relaxing time. I know I've done it. What did the prophet come to? When he, when he went in the vision beyond the curtain of time. And he says, you'll be judged in all your people. And he says, you'll be, what will I be judged by? By what Paul preached. Oh, he didn't worry. He said, thank goodness I preached every word Paul preached. And thousands and millions cried, we're resting on that. We're believing on that. That's our rest. Oh, praise God there's a rest to the people of God. So Brother Adam said, so he preaches this in this message. Now, let me just take a few more quotes and I'll wind my thoughts down with this. Now we're talking about how 
He's seeing a dividing of the church and the bride. So now as you follow his thoughts through, a lot of it is speaking to the bride. And it's, it's that invisible harmony and symphony. And, oh yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. You know, I, I, I sometimes been out on a trip or a holiday, visit some saints, and we just have a, I, I remember one time I was up in Whitehorse with Brother Willie McGowan and, and Brother Len Hildebrandt, and we were just sitting around the table, and, you know, Brother Willie just, just got his way of speaking about him and everything, and we're around the table, and, and he's laughing and, you know, and talking about how he caught a 12-pounder, 12-pounder, yeah, 12-pounder, yeah, we got it, and, and, and we're talking, and then we're just getting ready to leave, and I said, Brother Willie, can you close, just, 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 or just pray for us as we on our journey? And he begins praying, and the presence of God comes down, and we're all weeping around the table. You won't learn that in a church. And it was just like something so real. And I said, thank God that that's there. And you know what, friends? That's the place I want to dwell. That's where he wants to dwell, where it's heartfelt. He doesn't, he doesn't want us just to conform. He wants us to be transformed. He wants us to be in, in a place with him. So he's talking, Brother Branham's talking. Now, the hour that we're living in, spirits are uniting together, bringing everybody together for this one slaughter. It's a union. It's a boycott. It's the mark of the beast. He's talking this in the Feast of the Trumpets. And he says, it's so close to the real thing, it'll deceive the elect. It's supernatural devils, unseen to the eye, but you can see what they're doing. I'll tell you what, that discernment doesn't come by observation. That comes by being in the Word. That comes by being in tune with things. And he says now, he says... Notice, while that group is getting ready, there's another group getting ready. You know, while they're trying to stomp out the other group, the other group is Revelations 19. What is that? The bride has made herself ready. She is clothing herself. Garments have been given to her. She's closing herself. While one group has now got 200,000 demons behind them that were loosed at the river Euphrates, this other group is also enforced by the Holy Spirit that has been bound, but now it's loosed, and it's a great battle. Friends, you can stand in the face of every disease, in the face of every spirit, because if you're in this word and, and you're doing everything you can, all of heaven is backing us. Oh, thank God for it. Brother Branham would ask him, the grace of God that's on us, we don't go through a tribulation. He's actually asked this question a couple of days later, a couple of services later, in questions and answers. Brother Branham, will the bride go through a persecution as the early apostolic church did? No. This is his answer. No. I just explained that a few minutes later. He says, the next thing is a rapture. We're at the promised land. We're at the border. Now, does that mean we're not going to feel some pressure? We might feel some pressure. Is it going to be on the level that we thought for many years? Oh, they're going to shut down churches. They're going to be storehouse. It might be that. But I'll say this. If you're in Christ, you're safe. If you're in Christ, the grace of God is upon you. Great is his grace upon you. His eye is for them. Oh, listen to invisible union sometimes when he talks. Oh, she's his. You know, you know she beats for him. Uh, he says it's so sacred. He says, 
As, as, a, as a husband, as a wife is, has a duty to her husband, so is the bride to Christ. It's a relationship. It's a different level. I, I, I'm going to, the Lord willing, in, some, in a few future services, I've been just, I just use this as a little bit of a build-up, but the persecution that we're, we're battling right now is happening in the mind and the spirit realm. It is, it is bombarding us day and night. I'll tell you what, there's times I come and ministering a Sunday and I, I'm battling spirits right through the next night because those enemies' spirits come back. But I say, I, I, I say, thank God I know I'm on the right track. <laughs> Why are you bombarding me, Satan, if I, what I said wasn't true? You're a liar. You're a deceiver. Go back where you came from. You got nothing in me. I got nothing in you. Don't be afraid of him. Don't be afraid of Haman. He's going to get stomped down. Esther is greater in power than Haman ever was. I say there, the bride of Christ has a place with God that the church doesn't. Are you, oh, Brother Ed, you're exalting yourself. I just say this. I didn't do this division. God did this division. And I'll say this. I, I want to be in the channel. I, I don't know if I've adequately presented what I wanted to say today. But I, I just say the grace of God is upon us. The hour we're living in, God is bringing us to a special place. If you, if you can see one thing, and, and I'll have the musicians come, but if you can see one thing, think about the vision that the prophet saw. He saw that vision of the bride. I'll tell you what, first of all, I identify with the bride. I don't identify with the church and rock and roll music and all of those other things. That's not who I am. And then, have you ever wavered, brother? Yeah, but I'm glad that God didn't, didn't just say, well, if you didn't stay in line, but God actually chases us and said, stay in line. And I'll say this, thank God for Brother Harold over the years. When, when, when people weren't doing right, he preached it straight. Stay in line. I said, I want to echo that. Stay in line. I want to be like the prophet. Don't, this is not a time to be caught up out here, out there. The fineries of Laodicea. Stay in line. Brother, sister, it's just about going home time. Does that mean, Brother Ed, we're not going to go through the tribulation? No, we're not going to go through the tribulation. I don't want to be here in the tribulation period. The picture that Charles Schultz, how many knows what Charles Schultz is? Peanuts, Snoopy, Linus. That's Charles Schultz. He's the author of that. He had one cartoon that came one time years ago, and it had a cartoon of Snoopy on the doghouse. And, and, and somebody, that little bird came out screaming and saying, it's the end of the world, it's the end of the world, the end of the world. And, and, and it goes running off and then Snoopy's there on the doghouse and you see these little signs. And he, and he has these words, but I thought Elijah was supposed to come first. He caught something. Friends, the world actually knows beneath it all. I, I, I had a brother send me a quote here the other day talking about the leader of Korea shipping a missile to Los Angeles and the destruction of the... And, the, and he, he shared the article out of the Los Angeles paper and they're, they're going through it. About the middle of the article, they say, and this could fit the prophecy of William Branham who prophesied that Los Angeles would sink in the middle of the newspaper article just a couple of years ago. I go, friends, the world knows it's going to happen one day. I'm glad, I'm so glad to be under him. I'm so glad to be wrapped up in him. I'm so glad he beckons me, he woos me, he calls me. He's not against you. 
He's for you. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to spare him. But, but the people that know their God will do exploits. What's the exploit? It's being able to fully utilize the resources that are available to you. <laughs> that doesn't mean the hot rod. You heard me. That was not the part I'm talking about. But the word that's been placed in our hands. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's stand together. I don't think I've, I got that out the way I wanted to, but nonetheless, I, I just trust that you hear the call. I, I trust that you feel the pull. You know, many people, they're waiting for a push. Push me to give my tithes. Push me to line up. No, God's pulling. I hear the call. I feel the pull. I, that's, that's what God's doing this morning. He's pulling you. He's calling you this morning. He calls me. I, I'm not satisfied where I'm at. I want more of Him. Amen. Let's, Brother Ray, can you help sing this here? Feel the pole. I hear the call. And God's Spirit's moving me to give my all. He speaks to I feel 